0: to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McCarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together they make up the Church Safety Guys, their mission to inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church.
1: Good evening, and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Tr- Safety Guys. I am James, and I am joined by uh, my co-host Mike and Paul. So, how are you guys doing tonight? Peachy. PG- <laughs> <Yes, sir.
2: laughs>
1: I think uh, I think Paul and I had a, a crazy day, and maybe we need to save that for the next uh, the next broadcast episode. Um, because between him trespassing people and me frisking people, I think. Uh, in both
2: cases, they were elderly, uh, elderly spinsters. But either way, you
1: know. <laughs> oh my goodness! So if you're uh, if you're joining us online at a later time through YouTube or one of those channels, feel free to click like and subscribe. Uh, and then uh, we have resources available. Uh, you can visit us on our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Um, I really I want to jump into. Uh, getting our guest in here uh, because I know that uh, we've talked a lot about it and he's certainly uh, been a a big impact in the the church safety and firearm community. So um, without further ado, I will go ahead and bring in Mr. Korea. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Oh, no, it's I, I appreciate it you giving your time up. I know you're, you're on the West Coast and we're on the, some of us are on the East Coast, so <laughs> sometimes. It's still a beautiful sunny
3: day here in Phoenix. <laughs>
2: cool. Yeah. Isn't it a beautiful sunny day in Phoenix most days?
3: <laughs> we get about 320 days of sunshine a year, so I joke with my friends, you know, as they're still getting snowstorms and stuff, I was like, yep, got another 12 inches of sunshine today, but nice. of course they get me back in July. You know, in July when it's <laughs> 112 and miserable, they go, mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's the dry heat.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so an oven. That beats, uh, <laughs> that, beats, uh, that beats my temperatures and my sun uh, here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> we, we've had some weird weather this year. It's been an
3: odd March. I'm actually learning to fly right now. I'm getting my private pilot's license, and so we've had a lot of kind of weird, turbulent weather that my instructor's like, it's a weird year, but today was... Utterly gorgeous. I actually went and took a flight nice. this morning and, and worshiped God from uh, 6,500 feet. So it was kind of fun. Thanks for sure.
1: For sure. So I don't, uh, I, I know, well, all of us know a little bit about your background. Um, and I always like to say for for the folks that come on as guests, um, I know you served in the military, so thank you uh, for your service. Um, sure, it was a great job. It. I made mean, hot water the hard way in Uncle Sam's Canoe Club. It wasn't <laughs> really like that.
3: <laughs> well,
1: that works. I'm. Some of us are still learning, including myself. But you know,
2: yeah, he just had a nuclear re- a nuclear reactor to help him make hot water.
1: Yeah, so that's the, when you want to be impressive with it. You say
3: I was a nuclear reactor operator aboard the USS John C. Stennis. So I was like, you know, woo, that sounds good. But really, you go, I watch rock get hot. When rock get hot, you do hot water. You make a hot water, make a steam, steam turn turbines, make a boat go. I just watch rocket hot. <laughs> if you watch an episode of The Simpsons, what Homer Simpson did, that's what I did. And I wore a uniform to do it, and so people are like and thank you for your service, John. I'm like, I was just Homer Simpson, guys. It wasn't
1: like that. <laughs> so did you at least have the donuts? I mean, you know. No, and so that's the
3: problem. You know, you got to stay in shape a little bit when you're in the service. And then I joke that it's 10 years of boredom. It's 10 years <laughs> of, uh, I'm going to write down this again. This is the same thing that's happened for the last 10 years. And then it's 60 seconds of sphincter tightening, God-inspiring fear. And they, they pay you for the ten seconds. Wow! But things go crazy and like, whoa! What just happened? Okay, let's make this safe. And you know they pay you for that ten seconds that hope you hope never comes.
2: And then you miss that ten seconds for the rest of your life.
3: No, no, I gotta be honest with you. I'd have never missed it if it ever happened. Never happened to me in real life. Thank God. You know the reactors that I was on were always safe and good. Other than drills, you know it was it was never like that. But nice. Uh, it, I think the guys that have done it for real, you know, they go, man, thank goodness I was there. I was well-trained and whatever, but I'm like, you do that fam. I'm good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Wow. For sure. So your, your road, your story has been kind of interesting and I, I definitely, mm-hmm. I wanted to give you the, the opportunity to kind of uh, tell folks that might not uh, follow the largest YouTube channel or the largest, uh, largest person on the YouTube channel. Um, but you, you have an interesting story. So um Why don't you go ahead, if you would, and just kind of share that with us?
3: Well, I mean, so uh, my first big boy job was in the Navy, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. I grew up worshiping at the Church of Al, Frank, and Dan, um, which if you're an 80s kid, that's the Monday Night Football announcing crew. You know, I I grew up worshiping (laughs) Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers, grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and – so then, I joined the Navy in '95. Married my wife right at, after boot camp uh, in '95, um, and went through the nuclear power pipeline. So that's a very difficult school. Um, when it gets rated, it gets rated the hardest school in the nation. And I got picked up for a commissioning program at the end of that. So I went to college for three years, and they sent me to Oregon State University in uh, Corvallis, Oregon. And uh, so th- at that point, you start thinking about life, right? Like, okay, so. I had my wife had just had a baby. I was in. I'd been in upstate New York. We've been away from things. I was like, okay, I I need to get better as a person. If I'm going to be a leader of men, be an officer in the Navy, I need to maybe lose some weight. I need to uh, quit smoking. Uh, I need to just be better. And my wife was like, I want to go back to church. So she had come to Christ as a teenager, but then had walked away from him because Jesus got in the way of her ballet career. And she's like i want to go back to church and i was like yeah go ahead i don't care like do your thing i'm not interested um now now if i if i think back way as a little bitty guy um my mom divorced my father when i was six months six months old and uh my we moved in with grandma and grandpa grandma and grandpa my mom's parents were incredible people grandpa was a world war ii veteran and uh, grandma worked in the rectory of the catholic church and i know some people have a a negative memory of the church uh, of the Catholic church in particular. But, but in my world, sister Catrice who worked in the rectory with grandma and father Cottrell were great people. They were kind and they loved me. And so I wasn't negative on that. I just wasn't interested in it. And then Laura basically was like, I'm not going to church by myself because I don't want people to think I'm a single mom. And, and I was like, okay. So she dragged me to church and the church that we attended. So, so while I was off at school one day as a, a officer candidate at Oregon state, um, this elderly gentleman knocked on, on our apartment door and invited my wife to church. And um, it turns out he wasn't an elder there. He was just a guy who just walked door to door and knocked on people's doors, and invited him to church, this little bitty church, uh, a, a, a community church down the road. And so we went. Laura was like, I want to go. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And they had potluck afterwards, okay? So, guys, literally potluck saved my soul. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Because sure it wasn't like a Baptist church.
1: I don't know. So literally it's
3: a church. that was a community <laughs> church that was affiliated kind of with the church of Christ, but they loved potluck. And so they were like, Hey, we're having lunch after church. You guys should stay and have potluck. Like, don't worry. I know you didn't bring anything. It's fine. Just join us. And I mean, a sailor, like you want to feed me, I'm in, like, I'm so in. And so they fed us and we met some people and literally we went back the next week and they had a potluck for a different reason. And they went, like, no, 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 just come. It's great. We want to meet you guys. And so they had like four weeks in a row. And by the time they quit <laughs> feeding us, I'd made some friends. <laughs> and, uh, and so we started attending there and uh, I pretty much had everyone fooled because I, uh, I started going to church and so I was a church tender and, um, I voted Republican and I was serving in the military and I was married with kids. And so of course I was a Christian, right? Like, I mean, of course, uh, so that was in 97. And then Easter 98, uh, the pastor preached at me. You know, you ever have that happen to you? And uh, yeah, preached right at me like, hey, you can argue with the Bible all you want and with all these things. But, but if the tomb is empty, you've got to deal with that. And so that set me on a path. I was like, OK, I've never really read the Bible for myself. I need to do that. Started meeting with um, the outreach pastor who to this day is an incredible friend of mine. And he's now a Ph.D. and a senior pastor of a megachurch in Washington, uh, Dr. Keith Grell. And he just met and answered my questions time after time after time, week after week after week. Um, and then sitting in the back of church, July 26, 1998, all that was great. I kind of had come to an intellectual understanding of the Lord. And then um, sitting in the back of church and the pastor's wife, uh, Claudia Lee, who uh, I will forever hold as, as so dear to me, it's going to make me tear up thinking about her. She was leading worship. And and she said, you know, she took a moment to give a little testimony. And she said, you know, I I had this knowledge of Jesus. I had had been taught Jesus as a kid. And then, uh, but as a teenager, when I realized that Jesus loved me, even with my sins, like right where I was with my sins, I gave my heart to him. And man, the Lord just took a nine pound hammer and just whacked me right in the soul with it, with that. And just resonated. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Is that what this is? This isn't a, uh, a make John better thing. This isn't a, if John will clean himself up, then he's okay thing. Um, if I can sign your doctrinal statement, but you love me in the giant pile of crap that is my life. Okay, Lord, I'm done fighting you. I'm done. I'll, 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 surrender. And, um, and so a lot of people, I, I know plenty of people that don't get a big like life change experience at their conversion or they don't get like that big aha moment. And that's totally fine. Let me say that, that that's not required, but I did. And like the Holy Spirit picked me up and shook me real hard, like real hard. And so uh, that set me on a path where if I shorten the story a whole bunch, um, <clears throat> we, we started living for Jesus like that changed everything. I, I got baptized the next week. Uh, we you know, I said, OK, wait a minute. If Jesus is real, if he is the Savior, if he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I got I got to live for him. Amen. And So uh, then we that that set us on a path. I actually got in a car wreck in 2000 that cost me my naval commission. I couldn't do that. It's fine. Whatever. It's just probably second greatest or maybe third greatest thing Jesus ever did for me. So then I got sent back <laughs> down to a, an aircraft carrier um, and, and met a man who was an incredible mentor to me at a church in San Diego while huh. I was serving on the John C. Stennis and uh, grew in Christ in tremendous ways, just in in relationship with him and the people around him and, and learning how to walk with Jesus. And, and he was the one that I was about to get out of. They did two surgeries on my back and they were like, yeah, we don't think you're really about national defense anymore, John. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, Oli Pittman, my, my adopted dad, he said, you know, what do you think your spiritual gift is, John? Like, what are you gonna do with your life after you get out? And I was like, well, I, man, I don't know. I'm tired of being broke. I think I'm gonna start a business or whatever. And he's like, you know, so what do you think your spiritual giftedness is? I was like, I don't know, Bob. I mean, Dad, I I like to – I love to teach Bible study. I love to help people walk with Jesus. I love to be with people when their life is tough. But I I don't know. I mean, maybe exhortation? I don't know. And he goes, huh, you like to help people follow Jesus. You love to be with people at tough times. You like to to be around people and, and help them follow Jesus. What does that sound like to you? And I was like, no, 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 I am not doing vocational (laughs) ministry so the joke was he was my chiropractor as well and I was like you got to convince Laura there's no way Laura's letting me go to seminary and be broke as pastor for the rest of my life And so she came in the next day for an adjustment he cracks her bones and she sets her up and he goes hey I think John needs to go to seminary and be a pastor and she was like okay
0: (laughs) oh my
3: goodness so we did um again, shortening a bunch of story, right? So I moved to Phoenix after I got out of the military and went to Phoenix seminary and, um, worked in retail while I was going through seminary. Um, and then, uh, starting when I was in seminary, I didn't, I didn't wait. I just had an itch. I just wanted to shepherd church. So, uh, did that vocationally for 14 years, give or take, uh, served in vocational pastoral ministry. Um, when I got out, I got out of seminary in 06, uh, May started, Um, uh, vocational pastoral ministry in 2003, actually, and then um, started as a professor, a Bible college professor and a seminary professor in 2007. So did that um, from 2003 to 2015. Well, 07 to 15, I was a professor adjunct, you know, uh, Bible college and seminary level. Love that. And and really, I use that as an opportunity like, okay, so the students registered for gospels or acts to revelation or theology or pastoral skills or preaching or, you know, whatever. And and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look for a student that needs to to see the way of Jesus and walk it and do some mentoring. And then I pastored the first church I ever pastored was a church in the city of Maricopa in Phoenix, which, if you know it, at the time was a little podunk city in the middle of nowhere. It's a little bigger now, but not as much then. Did that for three and a half years and then pastored full time at a church uh, in Glendale, uh, Arizona, for about ten and a half years. Huh. So um, did that. Loved every loved part of that job, loved everything about shepherding. I'm a shepherd in my soul. I just want to help people follow Jesus. Um, found out eventually that I really hate running a nonprofit, like running the nonprofit and actually like like doing the business end and the CEO end of the church, like mm. made me want to like drop kick a puppy. <laughs> and so um, but unrelated to that so like in 2006 um, my my uh, I was running a video game store uh, starting in 2003 I was running a, a Hollywood video and a game crazy as, as part of my kind of just paying bills you know and um, when the Playstation 3 and the Xbox 360 came out managers in Phoenix were getting hurt in mug form because the secondary market on them was so expensive um, and so I went and um, got a CCW in Arizona, started carrying a gun, uh, bought the wrong gun, loaded it with the wrong ammo, put it in the <laughs> wrong holster. Um, and, and it was a lucky rabbit's foot that I kept on my hip. And then at the same time, my son, uh, who's now a grown man, but uh, he was a boy at the time and we were homeschooling. So we we're enthusiastic homeschoolers for about 12 years. And uh, James was like, Papa, 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 come take karate with me. Like, come, come do karate with me. And I was like, bro. I'm working full time. I'm going to school full time. I, I, I do not have time for this. And he goes, what about when you get out of seminary, Papa? Please come and take karate. with me." Okay, fine. Pat, pat, pat. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. So a year later, this kid had literally, he had strep throat at my seminary graduation. So I like had the, you know, the stole and all this things and I'm like, look, I'm fancy. I turned my thing and all that. I pick him up off the, this uh, church that they did the, the commencement at. I put him on my shoulder. He was sick. He's like six years old. And he's like, "Papa, I'm so proud of you. And then he picks his head up. He goes, you come to karate class on Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude, I guess I am. <laughs> you know, I guess I guess that's happening. So I was going to do it for six months. Fifteen years later, I'm still doing it. So wow. um, that started because, uh, so, so as I started doing that, and I studied a, deri- a derivative of Kenpo at Porker's American Kenpo. Um, so for anybody who knows that world, I am a student of Lawrence Robinson. I have a second degree of black belt today under Lawrence. Um, who was a student of Skip Hancock, who was a student of Ed Parker. And um, that taught me like, okay, wait a minute. I need to get serious about this. Like if I'm going to carry this gun, I need to be good with it because um, it's a, it represents a non-zero risk to myself and my family. And so I need to be good with it if I'm going to carry it. So I started training that got expensive. So I'm like, man, my core competency, like how am I going to make this less expensive? So I started my business. I started active Self protection as a way to write off ammo. You know, I was like, if I get some instructor certs, I can just like write off my training because I got to be good in order to teach classes. Right. Sure. The IRS will buy that. (laughs) Um, And we started that in 2011. So 10 years ago in April, um, we're actually March 25th is when I got my first certification, actually. So uh, just just celebrated my 10th anniversary. And and uh, so did that uh, as a part time gig for quite a while and and really enjoyed that. And it just grew, you know. And, and, um, but, but the blue haired ladies at church didn't really like me posting gun content on my Facebook. That was not, <laughs> it was kind of not cool for the pastor to post gun stuff on his Facebook, you know, like, wait a minute, pastor, what are you doing? And I was like, well, this is just my, like, my thing. Like, martial arts and gun stuff is like my thing. Like, it's cool for me to have outside activities, right? Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah not so fine in some respects. So then Facebook allowed business profiles about 2014. So I I formed one. I was like, okay, well I'll make a business page. And then that way I I don't have to do that. Well, it took off a little bit. The narrative videos came from there because Facebook started allowing video content. And somebody sent me a video on Facebook of a real life knife attack that somebody endured. And it scared me because I was like, whoa. That's real. And I'm not ready for that. So I took it on my blackberry. That'll date me Um, (laughs) Took to my martial arts teacher. And I was like, professor, like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, and I say professor, like he's my friend, Lawrence. Okay. So understand, like, you know, we've had many meals together. Like he led youth at our church for a while. Like we did men's retreats at his cabin and all that stuff. Right. But on the mat, he's Professor Robinson. So uh, I don't know what to do with this. And he's like, well, let's workshop it. Let's you know, let's just work on that problem. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. So we did for a couple hours. I felt better. And I was like, hey, that video helped us to kind of solve a problem and do some things. So I started posting it on my Facebook page. <clears throat> and then somebody sent me a video that was like five minutes long, except for four and a half minutes of it was nothing. And then 30 seconds of action. And I was like, I know I have a program on my computer that can cut that four and a half minutes out. I just don't know what it is. And so I don't know how to do it. So to the YouTubes, how to use Adobe Premiere. And in the basic tutorial that I watched of Adobe Premiere, it included a little tutorial on how to record audio on your computer. And I was like, huh, well, it's kind of cool. Instead of typing it in the description, I could be like the John Madden of on camera violence. Yes. (laughs) And just like, you know, here's this and try that and see this thing and watch this right here. And um, I, I did that and, and it, and it was successful. It was like, people were really about it. Then in 16, 2016, April, Um, YouTube, uh, I had a YouTube presence, hadn't really done much with it. Um, but, but it had a couple thousand subscribers because I think people that, um, you know, had seen it from the Facebook page and then YouTube was like, Hey John, you can monetize your content. If you want, you can hit, click these three buttons and we'll pay you. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's like walking down the street and finding $5 bills. You know I mean? So I did
4: a modern version of the free potluck.
3: Right. Yeah. See, kinda. And so then I, I, uh, just, uh, started, I, I took some of these old content cause we posted them on Facebook for quite a while. Um, it's about 500 of them, the old ones on the Facebook page. So if you go to the Facebook page and you watch those old videos, the content is still good. Please forgive me for the, for the production value because it's terrible. Um, so we put some of those on the YouTube channel and it just went, I mean, it was just the right thing at the right time and it just went nuts. So, um, that was 16, 17, um, you know, in, in many churches in America, we start having financial problems. And, and so thank God the Lord had provided and and we were able to go part-time at church and full-time with active self-protection. And then, uh, you know, I just realized over time that, that so, so if I back up to 15, um, when I was, uh, I was working full-time at the church, three quarters time at the, at the Bible college and then running active self-protection. And my wife was like, dude, You're killing yourself. It's too much. You gotta, you gotta let one of them go. And so I I looked at it. Uh, The Bible College had changed a little bit, and so I was like, I feel comfortable letting that go. It's not really the ministry that I want anymore. So let that one go. And then, so that was instructive to me. That in in late 2017, so so um, we also had some significant family challenges. Uh, My kids have struggled with mental health, like like wolf. Uh, My wife, too. Uh, My wife was diagnosed with depression in 2012, like pretty severe. Um, My kids have spent significant time in inpatient mental health uh, treatment, those kinds of things for depression, suicide attempts, those things. That's hard for a pastor to deal with. You know what I mean? So um, I've had a child who, you know uh, actually more than one of my children has said that they're gay and of course is that as is, is <laughs> that's kind of the thing in in you know 21st century in America and, and but very hard for a conservative evangelical pastor of a southern baptist church and but I said we're going to walk with Jesus through this and see what happens and then as ask grew and and it got tougher and tougher and tougher to deal with the organizational parts of the church and I'm like man I just want to I just want to make disciples I don't want to run a church anymore And so, um, I, I resigned my position at church in uh, February 1st of 2018. Um, and, and I, I love Jesus. I I love Jesus with everything that's in me. And, and now, um, the crazy part is the Lord has just given me uh, a ministry today that I never would have guessed, quite frankly. I mean, you know, you look and you're like, dude, you got like 2.3 million subscribers on the big channel, 150,000 on the little one, about 2.8 million total followers across all platforms. And you're like, how does that happen? Uh, like, what is up with that? I don't understand. But um, it's been—it's given me an incredible ministry in, in communities that I think that I never would have been able to impact as a pastor of a local congregation. And um, yeah, so today, um, that's what I'm known for. I'm a national, really, an international subject matter expert in in how defensive gunfights actually go. And uh, I'm a firearms trainer, so I'm I, I've. I'm a gun school junkie. I go to all the classes. I've got about 1,100 hours of firearms instruction uh, as a student, um, and, you know, again, a second degree black belt in a derivative of Kempo, and then I'm a white belt in jujitsu, so, you know, I do that stuff, too, then murder yoga, uh, snuggle struggles, as we say, and uh, yeah, So so now I just get to dedicate my life to helping people in all walks of life protect themselves and their family from criminal violence. And I get to go make disciples in communities that um, can be super uncomfortable, but is also really a great blessing. That's a big story, man. You let me talk for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes.
1: It's all good. I I will say that, you know, I started really following some of the some of the videos you did um, like Mike after the, the Jack Wilson shooting. And one of the things that I've always appreciated is that, um, you do the, you do the videos very, uh, humbly. Um, you know, we've had, we've had the chance to have Masada you on the, the show before, and he's this, this, this year. And he struck me the same way. And I love people that can instruct and teach and coach and have that attitude without, you know, without making someone who doesn't know anything, like, have kind of like a a complex. And so I, I mean, I, I appreciate that about that. And to me, it just kind of resonates that, you know, you, you have a spirit of doing what God wants you and has called you to do. And I think a lot of times when that comes through, that shows with that humility that it's, it's, you know, you're just doing it for the good reasons for just trying to help people out and it's yeah. it's really cool to see how God's blessed that and you know has changed that ministry and i think sometimes i mean it's kind of interesting that you know at at one point in time <clears throat> I was a pastor, an associate pastor of a church, and I went through that. And I kind of had a similar similar story, similar background where things happened to me where I just felt like, you know what, I can't, I need, I have a responsibility to pr- protect my family and I don't know anything. And so that kind of pushed me into, you know, learning to teach firearms and, and mm. NRA instructor and, and all that stuff. But um, it's it's interesting hearing hearing your story. So thank you for -hmm. for sharing that, for sure. Um, We probably need to go ahead and take a quick break. So we'll do that. I know Paul is like chomping at the bit to just throw questions out there. And this is true. uh, (laughs) And ask so we'll take a quick uh, sponsor break, and then we'll be right back. uh, Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll toss it over to Paul so he can, he can, uh, he can start with that. So stay with us. And we will be right back with you guys. With over 50
3: years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates, your partner in service.
5: church safety and security team requires more than showing up on Sunday mornings. It requires competent, engaging leadership. To operate a successful church safety and security team, it must be built on a solid biblical foundation. Be driven by a thorough system or structured framework and repeated consistently. Have you been tasked with starting or running a team? Have you inherited an existing team that needs a leader? Do you feel like you are running in circles or burned out executing tasks weekend after weekend? Then you need the all-new book from James McGarvey and Mike Scully. Engage, Train and Retain. Embracing the Church Safety and Security Lifecycle to take your team beyond Sunday mornings. The Church Safety and Security Lifecycle is a six-phase system created by the church safety guys specifically for leaders serving in church safety or security teams. It offers a practical leadership model so leaders can engage and inspire their volunteers, train and influence their team, and retain their talent. So leaders can thrive, not just survive. So leaders can succeed, simplify their focus, and truly impact church ministry. This is not simply a startup checklist to do once. This is a repeatable framework of learning, discipleship and understanding, and applying a heart of ministry in church safety and security. Pick up the new Church Safety Guys book, Engage, Train, and Retain, today, and take your team beyond Sunday mornings.
0: Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources.
1: All hey, right, welcome back to the evening broadcast of the Church Safety Guys, and uh, we are talking to John Korea with Active Self Protection, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to, to Paul because I know that uh, that he's going to he's got, he's chomping at the bit to ask some questions. So,
2: yeah, well, I wanted to start off with some with some comments. So for you guys that are listening at home. So you need to go subscribe to Active Self-Protection. I talk to people all the time that still haven't done that. And, and uh, you know, I, it just blows my mind. But so I I came across Active Self-Protection very early and before the narrated videos, before the John Madden bit. And I fell in love with it because I was trying to do church safety and I was getting a lot of pushback of you can't be a warrior and a Christian. Well, that's Belagna. And you can't, um, and, and and it was amazing where God took that. And it's amazing how God will build on top of what, like what you were doing and God helped me launch in a direction. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still dine on the regular with active self-protection material and I've watched, I've watched what you do grow. So to anyone at home, go check this stuff out. And if, and if you want to, if you want to understand why it's dangerous to carry empty chamber, go watch his videos. If you want to understand what the realities of a knife attack are, go watch his videos. If you want to understand what training and range time and dry fire and all these things are and why you do them, go watch his videos. And so when I was really exactly, yeah, dry fire mag, if I, as I was learning these things, the 10,000 foot view that so many, so many things in church safety did it was, it was worshiping God at 6,500 feet. There was nothing in the trenches of this. You might have to choke slam somebody. And um, so as all that began to open up for me, and I took some notes off here to the side, I really got serious about training because of watching the videos and realizing um, I, got, I got to shoot next to a guy who had worked for Blackwater. And I watched him without conscious thought clear a weapons malfunction while plinking with me. And I was kind of like the, the 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 pool shark of my neighborhood. I could outshoot all my friends. And then I had this guy like literally shoot circles around me and not break a sweat. And I was like, okay, I'm actually a gun collector who, who thinks he's a, a competent self-defender. So wherever you are in your journey, you need to go this direction and you need to learn as much as you can throughout active self-protection. And there is so much material there already. And then... God opened up a ministry where I could begin to minister into law enforcement. And I actually had, and the way the officer said it, I cannot repeat because it was quite colorful, but he turned to one of his friends and he goes, this is Paul Wagner. He's my chaplain. He's not one of those whoosh, whoosh Christians because I had fought a guy that was high on, on methamphetamine and hard alcohol to protect that officer and, and actually a couple of others. And, uh, um, that was a, it just was amazing to watch God open up that ministry. So, I really enjoy the interviews we do, and we've met some through the through the convenience of the webcam. We've met some amazing people. But number one, I owe a great debt to Active Self-Protection, and thank you. Number two, and I don't mean to be weird. I don't want it to come off weird and and, and whatever. But number two, if you don't know John Korea and Active Self-Protection and their and there. Uh, I'm going to call it a ministry, what they do, go check it out. You're missing out because I've been introduced to so many books and so many topics and so many things I didn't have a clue about. And I'm very firmly a training junkie. I mean, I have coined phrases that we use in church safety. Um, I coined the phrase that was ancient Latin, Semper disciplina, a lifestyle of discipline training. It basically means always training. And I coined that phrase that I had found in ancient Latin and I'm not a Latin anything, but I had stumbled across it, and I went ooh. And there's there's things that we say now that James got hold of me a while back and said, "Hey, someone at my church quoted you," which John, uh, I, that's so yeah, cool. That's messed up, yeah, that's messed up. I'm like, wait, what? But it's amazing to watch God open up opportunities. And now church safety, John, is not this thing that like, wait, what your church does safety? I went to a church today to help a law enforcement department protect it from a credible threat Mm. while I was there as their chaplain and their armed, crazy, you know, chaplain friend. And we were talking very, very serious church safety. One of the pastors from my church got a hold of me and he's like, because I attended church and then left and he knew why, and we've got a team and we're good, but he goes, don't they have their own people? I was like, kind of, but this is a pretty big deal. And, and that's how far we've come. And I want to launch back out of that to Mike and James. That's how far the reality of this world has come, John. It wasn't that many years ago that that people were like, wait, you carry a gun? And the the pastor, uh, a friend of mine that's a pastor of another church, made a comment to me this week. He said, I carry a Glock, and it's with me in the pulpit. He said, I call it my Glock for the flock. And I was like, oh, I love it. And where I'm going with all this is we're seeing a complete shift. In our culture, defensive mindedly in churches going, we're ministry focused, but we want to protect people and make sure that nobody comes in here and hurts our people. And that is completely shifting. And John, you're part of that. We're glad to be part of that. And and that's where I want to tell people, I cannot encourage you highly enough. You need to go and drink at the fountain of active self-protection.
3: Dude, the fact that you become a training junkie just—you made my week, bro. Like, <laughs> if there's one thing I say, go get training, and not even for me. Like, listen, I offer it. We teach church safety, and and the funny part is, I teach church safety from a very pastoral perspective. That, like, listen, you're there to love people and help them experience right. the living God. You yeah. know what I mean? You're not there to be a heavy. You're not there to, you know, maintain a fortress for God. Right. Uh, you know, the funny part is, I, I tell this story sometimes in my church safety that. Um, We uh, we we taught a class in Manhattan, Kansas, and we fell in love there with the people of the Flint Hills foster teen camp. So foster teens are a huge uh, thing in my world that these kids end up homeless. And when they end up homeless, they end up in drug addiction, substance abuse, um, incarceration, like at, at really ridiculous rates. So we help this incredible ministry to fundraise every year. Our national conference is totally a fundraiser for them. All that to say. We're driving there from Kansas City Airport. And, of course, we stop in Topeka because we're going to see a friend. But more than that, we stop in at Westboro Baptist Church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as 25 people and they're national news all the time, and they've got these huge wrought iron fences, right, with, with the spikes pointing out and, and these huge billboards and banners about what God is against. And the funny part is, is then opposite that, there's a little house that's all painted in a rainbow that, that has a little like sign on the front that says, feel free to come and take pictures, feel free to, to come and hang out, have a picnic. We're glad you're here. And I'm like, Well, which one do I feel more welcome at? Which one do I feel like I can I can be at? You know, and so I always tell folks when I teach church safety to remember the mission. And Jesus gave us a mission, and the mission is to make disciples, the mm. mission is for people to feel like. I can meet the living God here. I can meet the King of Kings here, uh, and and I can meet Jesus here. And and if we're you know big and angry and like you know hey, hey, hey you know we got to do this thing here, then people won't feel safe. And Amen. so I love hearing that from you, man. Like you just you made my day.
2: <laughs> well, before I throw this to Mike or James, am I am I a training junkie that beats training to death? No. Not at all. all. You like (laughs) so, Mike. You haven't really been able to chime in yet, and so I'm done fan gushing over here. Go for it.
4: (laughs) Well, I jump back. It's just some different things in the walk, and it's great to hear your story, John. I appreciate you coming on. I think I I look at the little things of, of dabbling in karate when I was in school and and a kid and being bullied by another kid and where that took me. I didn't foresee going into ministry. I didn't foresee going into a world of church safety. I didn't mm. foresee being uh, part of active shooter drills for the state police and, uh, police departments across Massachusetts. And, and yet those were things I got a chance to be part of. I got to play mm. that bad guy and get beat up and, and cuffed and, and taken <laughs> out and all sorts of different things, but it gave me insights into their tactics, their approach combined with, uh, the life of, of growing up in the church uh, started as a Catholic, went to Catholic school my whole life, but in a non-denominational church now, but r- really all of that together. And I couldn't have seen where where God has taken it today. I mean, a year ago, I joined these guys and it's like, I, I, I never would have anticipated being on camera talking on a show um, mm-hmm. and then combine that. Uh, you, you sit there and say, okay, uh, we're going to have John Korea on our show. Wait, what? How, how'd that happen? So those sorts of things. It's just the, the progression of when when God blesses something, the amazing things that can happen. And when you're walking in that path, like clearly you are, John, and and, and the path that you've taken and, and the, the content that you've put out and you're blessed as a communicator. And I think that's where it carries is that ability to communicate and reach people in that humble way. And that's what we try to do and strive to do each week is come across as you know what we are we're just servants of god and we're trying to do the best we can in our churches and a safety team and if something we learn can pass on to somebody else and it makes their life easier makes their church uh safer helps them disciple their team then you know what it's worth it so we we really appreciate it
3: love that and glad to help in any way i can you know it's it's straight up guys. Uh, YouTube celebrity is weird. Uh, it's legit, like real celebrity. My wife and I had a uh, dinner last night with some friends who he's just transitioned out of vocational ministry and she's kind of deconstructing and reconstructing her faith. And so we sat around a, a table at a restaurant for about two hours and talked, uh, you know, the, uh, about Jesus and, and how we live for him and those things. And then we walked out and uh, as we're walking to the car, this guy goes, Hey man, I really love your videos every day, bro. And I was like, Hey, thanks, man. That's great. Have a nice night. <laughs> You're like, so weird. Okay. That's great. You know, it's weird, but it is, you know, what are you going to do? Right.
4: Exactly. And we, we try to focus on the idea that at the end of the day, the industry wants to call things, people being influencers and all that. And I think it's just gotten a really bad term. We strive to impact and we understand it. If we, if we impact another person, another team, We will, by nature, influence and and in a good way. And we're not just seeking to influence. We're seeking to impact. So we're kind of shooting past the target, if you will. We're kind of saying, project that you're going through to the other side. And maybe then you actually will land on target. So we try to do that.
3: I I love it. I tell people all the time, there's plenty of influencers in the world. You know, Kanye wearing a pair of Yeezys will make people buy Yeezys. That's influence, you know. Uh, Kim Kardashian wearing a particular dress will make people go buy that dress. That's influence. And it really is. Mm. Um, I try to be a trusted advisor instead. And a trusted advisor is somebody who doesn't say get like me. A trusted advisor says, what's best for you? And in your situation with your unique needs, with your unique um, uh, situation, what's best for you? And what would I advise in your spot? And take it or not. I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. Um, I, I try to... Uh, not be kind of the sage on the stage, but kind of the guide on the side, you know, and and just uh, love people where they are and, and help them. And and if I can help nudge someone towards um, being more competent, more uh, paying more attention to their world, to be more prepared and um, to to impact their world for good. Man, what a great day, huh?
2: Guys, I think I have found a pun brother. I've noticed that he likes little word combinations and little sayings and very pithy little almost punning sayings. I may I may have found my pun brother.
3: <laughs> I was a Baptist
2: pastor for 14 years, bro. What do you want me to do? Like, you got to
3: have little pithy sayings, you know, little memorable things. And the crazy part is, is that the audience on the big channel and the little channel, have really embraced that. And I, I get that back from people all the time, you know? And I'll hear, you know, John, man, I know you say attention buys you time and time buys you options. And mm-hmm. and I go, mm, it really does, man, that's really great. Yeah. Man. And I, I get emails from people that are like, dude, John, this guy pointed a gun at me and I heard, wait your turn, wait your turn, wait your turn, wait your turn but take your turn. And, and it saved my life. And I was like, wait, 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 you saved your life. What you did, I didn't save your life. You saved your life. But those little pithy sayings let people remember, you know, a little yep. turn of phrase, a little thing that we have. And and I, I tell folks, the crazy part is, is that seminary was a perfect preparation for YouTube celebrity. <laughs> because it taught me to be a good communicator, straight yeah. up. It taught yep. me to uh, be concise and thoughtful. You know, I was taught preaching by a guy who said a great sermon has a great introduction a great conclusion placed as close together as they possibly
2: can. I'm mm-hmm. yep. so so, <laughs>
3: <it's
2: cool laughs> right now making notes for their pastor
3: <laughs> and, 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 things like, you know, and the other part of that, you know, so my mentor, Keith, um, who said, John, he made me, in fact, at one point um, he made me get rid of notes in my pulpit. And, and when I was a young pastor, he's like, okay, So you need to connect with your audience. You need to not take notes. And I was like, that's not okay." Like, what are you talking about? Like notes help me to like be prepared and ready. And he goes, no, give up profundity. Just don't be profound. You don't need to be profound. If you understand the big idea of your text and you just let God speak through the text and you say not what I have to say this is what god says to all of us in the in the text itself from scripture this is what the original author was trying to contribute and and teach his original audience and if you and i take that at heart then you'll be good um and so have your big idea in mind and go and talk to people and i was like it's so hard but it made me it made me embrace that and now as a guy who makes youtube videos for a living i do the same thing so when somebody asked me on the youtube video like, well, John, like, how much scripting do you do? I don't make a script. I, I talk to people. I think about, I want to pause here because I want to talk for a minute. I want to pause here because I want to talk for a minute. But I I want to talk to my friend. I want to talk to my friend Paul and my friend Mike and my friend James. And uh, I, I want to say, hey, guys, let's pay attention to this thing. And if we do that, then, then we'll be better, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so it's seminary was a perfect
1: preparation
3: for YouTube. That's great for sure.
1: I wanna I wanna go down the road just a tiny bit of uh, of Easter prep and jump into that because I know we're we're kind of running out of time. But um, you know we have churches opening up all over and trying to work through COVID and and trying to to do different things. And um, I really feel like like my particular church and we're we're based out of Columbus, Ohio. But my particular church is actually doing an Easter drama uh, this year where we act out from, from Jesus birth to his resurrection. And, uh, one of the things that I've seen a lot of is just people, people are really coming out of their homes and they want to do activities and they want to get back to a normal. And we've seen people really just come out of the woodwork for church, like to come see what church is about and to, Mm -hmm. to come back to, um, some stability in, in their community. Uh, but I wanted to, to throw it over to to you, John, and just see if you have some suggestions or some thoughts on uh, just different things that churches can do um, mm-hmm. to kind of be prepared. I know that's it's next Sunday, um, but just some thoughts out there on, you know, what can what can they do um, that that are maybe simple um, that maybe they haven't thought about to uh, to just protect their their folks coming in and just have a watchful eye?
3: I always say, first and foremost, mission focus, right? Mm -hmm. Your mission is to introduce people to the people of God and to Jesus, right? So if you miss that because you want to be a big, firm bulwark, you'll miss it, right? So mission is always first, and that's going to involve risk-taking. So be willing to be the one that says, I will take the risk so that everybody else doesn't have to. I will be the one that will engage with that person who is on the edge or who is a borderline or who is a Mm -hmm. struggle in order to help them see and serve the living God and and experience the love of Jesus in me that he won't anywhere else. And if you have a high level of skill, you can take risks that somebody with a low level of skill could never take. Mm -hmm. I mean, Whether that's somebody who is struggling with mental illness today or somebody who's angry at God today or somebody who they fought all the way to church and and she is right on the edge of committing domestic violence. Uh, Or he is, you know, I mean, it goes both ways. And you see them in the parking lot and you can go up and go, hey, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Or in the middle of a custody dispute. and. Yeah. And 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 so, you know, dad shows up at Easter Sunday because he knows mom brought the kids and he's like, I want to see my kids. And you're like, hey, man, I'm with you. And that makes a lot of sense. Can, would, would you be willing to pray with me? And and let's see if we can find a good way for everybody to to be happy with this one and be OK. And I want your kids safe like you want your kids safe. So so first of all, mission first uh-huh. mission first. Second thing is uh, I I look at people not as problems to be solved, but as as people who Jesus loves and they are of inestimable value and worth and dignity. And so, you know, what is it that I can do to to give Jesus glory today in this? And then, yeah, I mean, um, recognize that when everybody gathers on Easter Sunday, it's the Super Bowl, right? It's the big day. So that's a, a rich target. So pay attention to your world and look for something out of place. And when you see something out of place, you know, when we look at, at, at Jeff Cooper's color code of awareness, right? So white is unaware. We can't live in that yellow is simply aware. And where says not like, you know, I'm, I'm not like the Belushi brothers, you know, like head on a swivel, like, you know, what's going on. But I always tell people I'm curious. I just want to see what's going on in my world. And I want to go, Oh, I don't know you. It's really nice to meet you. And hi, my name's John, and, and and let's get to know one another. And then when you see something is off, you know, I've said this many times, as a uh, whether it was a pastor or now having left vocational ministry, um, you know, as, a, as somebody who's served in church safety and also contributed to church safety, to, to say, oh, wait a minute, hi, nice to meet you, I'm John. And they go, and they walk off, you go, I'm going to pay attention to that. <laughs> I just want to see what's going on with that. Um, and, and if you do that, I mean, obviously guys, you guys know this, there's something like 50 million worship services a year in America. We have about two church active killer events every year, uh, in America, regardless, you know, up or down, but two is pretty much the average. And so, you know, it's lightning strike rare. You're far more likely to have a missing child. You know, somebody, a kid that gets away from mom and dad after service, you're far more likely to have a heart attack. You know, somebody has a big problem. Um, You're far more likely to have um, a distraught person after service. You're far more likely to just have a homeless guy show up who is maybe not dangerous, but is disruptive. Um, you're, You're far more likely to have the pastors preaching and somebody decides they want to be a prophet of God and they want to tell the pastor what's up. You know, I have a really funny story about that when I was young in Christ, about having to grab a woman up by her her arm and go, you know, you're going to follow me to the foyer right now. <laughs> and and uh, no, I want to talk the prophet. You can't stop the prophet of God. No, no, but we're going to talk in the foyer right now. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, so so those kinds of things don't involve deadly force, you know, and and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I carry a gun every day. I carry one in the pulpit. When I was pastor, I carry one when I'm at church every day and I pray I never need it. Now, when I need it, you know, again, uh, Jack Wilson showed us when you need it, the the stakes are very high, very high. Sutherland Springs, big difference between West Freeway Church of Christ and Sutherland Springs is somebody was there and not just a guy with a gun. The big thing to me was in there was that this was not, oh, we have a man with a gun versus nobody with a gun. No, Jack Wilson was highly confident with that firearm. 15 yard headshot on a moving target under duress. That is a high level of confidence. And so um, uh, train for that worst day, because I'll guarantee you, uh, I've talked to Jack and and a great human and a good dude. Um, And I've talked to, you know, Stephen Williford, the hero of Sutherland Springs. And that, that those days are, you know, those men can sleep at night knowing they, they, they were up to the task. Yep. And sure. I don't want to be the guy. Honestly, it makes me weepy thinking about it. I don't want to be the guy that was not up to the task on that. Amen. I don't want to be the guy that said, I took four shots, I missed all four, and nine people died. Hmm. And yep. so, you know, so, so think about the vast majority of problems aren't gun problems, right? Your gun should stay in its holster almost always, and then be really good for that day when it, when it
1: needs to come out. So, yeah, for sure. sure. Good stuff. Well, I'll throw it over to, to Paul. I know you, you wanted to, and then we probably should wrap things up because we're, we're out of time as much as I would like to extend this another
2: hour <laughs> yeah, we, we need to get back on the schedule maybe for next season and do this again god has blessed us with the opportunity to meet via web conference as it were and talk with people who are movers and shakers in the church safety world and overwhelmingly we are encountering people who have am i wrong guys a christ-centered heart and they keep going ministry first ministry first we're not
1: we're not like a SWAT team And I, I
2: get, I get emotional because I'm like, yes, amen. Hallelujah. Um, But you were, you were talking about just a moment ago, um, having that heart, that Christ centered heart and going up and and being ministry focused first. And James and I were talking when James really started the group about the fact that, um, you know, obviously without love, we got nothing. We're only a resounding gong, but, but it's not. and, And back to the Jack Wilson thing, but, but it's not, I don't want to say this, y- you have about half of a percent of a chance of ever having violence at your church. And I don't mean an active shooter per se, I just mean violence. And yet that's the thing that we focus on and we train for Now, when that violent thing happens, we need to be very, very good at what we do, but yeah. we, we need to be looking at vasal constriction and, and know the, the signs of a stroke. I got to help in a convenience store. I looked at a guy, this isn't right. I think this guy's having a heart attack, but he's 31. I'm going to call this in. Guess what? He was having a heart attack at 31. And so having that medical knowledge, praying and saying, God, use me, put me where you want me, but, you know, medical and and looking for a child and de-escalation. And
3: I have been first responder at four car wrecks since I started carrying medical on my person in my car. Um, Just had one two weeks ago that was a pretty wicked wreck with a woman who was completely disoriented afterwards. And she was, on her feet, but like, I barely know my name and I'm like, just completely out of it. Okay, come here. I didn't actually see the wreck, but, but that mm-hmm. calm under pressure, I think high level of training gives me calm under pressure to Amen. be in the presence of Jesus yeah. and, and to yeah. go, let me help you. And it's yes. so good. I think that brings the goodness of God into that, into that situation.
2: Well, and yes, yeah, the, the final thing there, which is you're just leading into perfectly is when we when we have that level of training, we have that level of com- competency, we're never going to find ourselves in a situation where we go, gee, I, I wish I hadn't trained this much for this. Never, right. ever. I, I backed a police officer one night. I had the night sergeant looks at me, hands me his backup weapon, and he goes, you protect him. And there was a rookie on duty that night. It was a bad situation. It was all hands on deck. When the bad guy crashed out the window and went for a weapon, I drew and had a flashlight to my temple and a gun pointed wow. at this guy's head. I realized two things. One, thank God I've trained this much for this. And I called every instructor I've trained with that had taught me that level of training and said, you helped me tonight or that the, the night before. Number two, my decision making process was over. It was up to the, to the bad guy at that point. And he decided he didn't want to die. But then but coming back to training, we're never going to find ourselves in a situation where we can just press a pause button and go, okay, I need to know what the OODA loop is, and why does this face look like that, and what's a pre-fight indicator, and what's covering concealment, How, am I carrying the wrong holster, do, do I have the right weapon, did I bring enough gun for the fight, really? we don't get to press pause, it's come as you are, and you know President Reagan used to say the next world war was going to be come as you are, you're, you're going to show up with what you already had made, and I think at that level, as as Christians, as self-defenders, that's why I'm a training junkie, is as right. common as you are. You don't get to go, I'm sorry, I'm not qualified for this. Can, can I get a rain check? All right, Pause, Paul, I'm going to give you one reset. thing here. Please. I'm going to give you one little thing. Colonel Boyd would be
3: super frustrated that you called it an OODA loop. Really? Like, Colonel Boyd called it an OODA loop. And he would be frustrated at Uda, and not, not that that's a big deal. Right. I, I seek to honor his legacy. And say,
2: oh, it's the and and he, so few people know who he is anyway. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, that's interesting to know. I'll have to uh, note
3: Ask that text yeah. Moss. Ask yeah.
2: Moss about it. Moss is
3: big about that.
2: Okay. <laughs> so gentlemen, anything before we close in prayer? We'll have to go
4: back and re-record the episode where we called it Uda.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. I I just want to say it's it's a breath of a breath of fresh air. I love your passion uh, for missions, and I love your passion for ministry. And you know, we we strive all the time to to push 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 churches and push folks to think past just the tactical the tactical side of it to what, what the mission of the church is, what the purpose of the church is and um, how safety and security can benefit and and build credibility and those things. So I, I just, you know, I really appreciate your, your perspective on that. And uh, it's great to have um, somebody entrenched in the community that really believes that and demonstrates that versus, you know, these, these, guys know what I'm talking about and I'm sure you do too but it's like let's you know let's back away from the focus of of being tactical SWAT you know a SWAT team for Jesus but let's look at winning souls and complementing you know the mission of the church so it's uh, it's it's good stuff so I definitely definitely appreciate it so I'll, I'll toss it over to uh, to Paul and you can and uh, pray us out if, and we'll close, I, close out.
3: Before we pray, if I may yeah. invite you guys Sweet. and invite everybody, our national conference is the last weekend in September in Manhattan, Kansas. It is at the Living Water Ranch and sure. uh, where the Flint Hills foster teen camps uh, meet. And they, uh, Mike and Lisa Irvin are Christ-centered people who help uh, abused and abandoned foster teens to escape the, the cycle of poverty in a Christ-centered way. So the entire national conference is um, dedicated to Jesus and it's completely to benefit the Flint Hills foster team camps. Like, like the last year, the conference cost me around low five digits. Don't get me started. But it, it's uh, um, so, you know, I, I don't begrudge people making money there, but it's where we we really see God at work. People get saved there every year. We do um, Bible studies every morning for those who want worship service on Saturday night for those who want. It's very Christ centered. Um mm-hmm. conference style. So there's national level instructors. It's incredible training. Uh, medical, jujitsu, live fire, classroom. It's it's awesome stuff. At, at, I mean the highest level guys, guys like Brian Hill from the Complete and Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearms Training. Um AJ Zito from Practical Performance, uh, Adam Lynch from Defenders USA. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of really high level trainers that that come and dedicate their time and go for it. So um, we'd love to have you join us. Um, if, if you go on my website, activeselfprotection.com, it's got all the details. You actually make a tax deductible donation to the Flint Hills Foster Team Camps in order to attend.
2: So we'd love Ooh. to have you. Pretty good. So hopefully everybody at home just took notes on that because that sounds like a unbelievable feast of training knowledge. It's Christ-focused and there's going to be worship. So, um, all right, let's let's pray this thing out, guys. Sweet. So, dear <laughs> <General laughs> Father, Lord God, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have words. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for ministry. I thank you for hearts who that are passionate and overflowing, Lord God, uh, to to serve you and to lead others to you, Lord God. I ask that you bless this man and his ministry, his family. Lord God, we all have family members that are hurting. I've got my own heartaches with my own children. I know that we all do. And I lift up his family to you. I ask for healing, uh, Lord God, because it's obviously that's what he's about, is his family and his ministry. And I ask that you would you would uh, crank up the megaphone, that you would help him to reach uh, more people and change more lives uh, for Christ, Lord God. And uh, I know that his heart, he's just one, one beggar, uh, telling another beggar where the bread is. And I, that's what this is all about. It's not about us. It's about you and and serving you better. I thank you for tonight. I ask that you would uh, help this message to reach the right ears in your son, Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. So, thanks guys. Appreciate you much. Hey, thanks for, thank you, thanks for jumping in out real quick. So real quick, I just want to mention um, next week, Uh, we are actually off. Uh, we'll be back the following week with some more great content for you guys. And then, uh, through, through, uh, Easter, if you have any questions or you want to reach out to us, feel free to, we're still, we're still around. We're just all, all three of us are focused on our, our churches through Easter (laughs) and stuff going on. Um, but, uh, we definitely, we hope and pray that you guys have a safe, uh, safe and secure Easter and, um, Again, as always, you can reach out to us on our website at churchsafetyguys.com, and uh, we will actually be back with you in two weeks. So take care. Have a great uh, a great Resurrection Sunday, and uh, and we'll see you next time.
5: Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative, and we appreciate your feedback looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and Semper Disciplina. Always be training.